Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for coming into our church this morning with your word and with your spirit. We just ask you to open our hearts and our minds to what you want each of us to hear today. We ask you to be with Reed as he delivers your message and to give him boldness and, and just give him your insight to touch every one of us here. And ask also, just, just give each of us the, the faith and the strength and, and, and wisdom to serve you, serve others on your behalf. Uh, we just want to be part of your mission here, Lord. We thank you for all the blessings you've just poured out on each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. All right, we're going to start a new book today. Now, I don't know about you, I'm a book reader. I, I like to read books. Uh, most books that, you, that I read, to pick up to read, are either interesting or entertaining or something you learn something from. But the thing about books in the Bible is that they are authored by God through a human agent, the Apostle Paul, this one. And they have the power not only to be interesting or entertaining or to teach you something, but really the power to absolutely shake up your life, revolutionize your life, uh, radically transform you in a totally new way. And we're, studying, we're going to start in the book of Galatians, and what a book. I mean, it is, a, it is a powerful book. It is a book that can rock your world. It's, it's a book that uh, has shaken up history, and it can shake up your life today. And the purpose of this book is, is, to, is to blow away or to blast away all the confusion about how you gain acceptance with God and how you get free from evil in your daily life. One and only one thing can make you right with God, accepted by God, and guiltless before God. And that is what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And one and only one thing can empower you to live as a new person, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit given by Christ to live in you. And we're going to see that message throughout the book of Galatians. Christ for you, Christ given for you, and Christ in you. That is the gospel. Now the thing that destroys the power and the joy and the glory of the gospel is putting all or even some of your trust in your own works or in some other method 
to try to find acceptance with God, deliverance from the pain and the misery and the shame of sin in which we find ourselves in this world. And we are so prone to go somewhere else to try to gain some sort of acceptability to God. We are so prone to turn somewhere else to deal with the shame and the misery and the problems of pain, of sin. Now the churches in Galatia, which we'll get into this in more detail as we go through the book, not so much this morning, but the churches in Galatia was a, a group of churches, it wasn't just one church, that were relatively close to each other. They were in the same region, kind of in uh, mid, what we call modern day Turkey. Well, they were putting some level of trust and security in keeping the law of Moses, especially circumcision. They were putting their trust, some level of trust and security in keeping the law of Moses to give them a good standing with God. But Paul writes to them with, with I mean, he, he, kind of, he kind of shouts at them. I mean, he comes at them with a, with a sense of urgency, even a sense almost of, of anger. Uh, there's this, this, this tremendous uh, sense of uh, desperation that I need to get a message to you. And his, his, he is so disturbed because they're turning, even in some measure to trust in keeping the law of Moses, undermined the sufficiency of what Christ did on the cross. And it undermined the sufficiency of Christ's gift of the Holy Spirit to complete His work in them. The power and the joy and the glory of the gospel is only in its pure and true form. Distortions of the gospel neutralize the power of the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. But when we distort it, when we add to it, when we take from it, we neutralize the power of the gospel. And that is why so many people have been brought up in church. So many people have been around Christian culture. So many people know Christian jargon, Christian lingo, and yet have never been radically changed by the pure and the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. They, have, they, they think they have, but they have really heard a truncated or a distorted or powerless gospel. And then they wonder why this Christianity thing isn't really all that great. The true gospel starts with the stunning revelation that all that you need comes to you as a gift from God. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself. He gave himself for you. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. The gospel starts with a gift. The gospel starts not with God asking you for something, but to give you something. Verse 3 says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace to you. Grace covers our sins. Grace assures us of God's love 
and acceptance. Peace quiets our conscience and calms our hearts. It gives us a sense of well-being, that sense of assurance that things are well between us and God. Peace, peace in our hearts, peace with God, peace deep within our soul. This grace and peace comes not from other people, comes from, from God the Father to you. They are always there, always coming, always flowing to you from God the Father. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? What do you do with grace and peace that is coming to you, that is flowing to you from God, our Father? You receive it. You take it. You drink it in. You receive it by faith. And one of the most important spiritual truths you will ever learn is that God gives and we receive. We receive forgiveness of sins. We receive grace. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the love of God. We receive Christ. We receive justification. Uh, Romans 3.24. We all know Romans 3.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Right? We know that. Romans 3.24 says, We are justified freely by His grace. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement for us through His blood to to be received by faith. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the man, Jesus Christ? Christ. Receiving is what opens the door. Receiving is what opens the door of God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him or along with him graciously give us all things? God is a giver. God is giving. Our role is to receive. Galatians 3, later on in this book, it says the blessings given to Abraham have come to us so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I I could just keep going with verses. God gives. We receive. God has given first. So that we might receive. So, I don't know what your status is here this morning before God or with God or if you're a believer, what, just where you're at in your mind, in your heart. But I'll tell you this, the salvation, the hope, the peace, the life you need are not far away and they are not months or years away. They are always present to be received. Receive His grace and peace this morning. Receive His grace and peace in this moment. Open your heart and receive by faith that Christ loved you 
and gave himself for you. You can hear that all your life. You can know that. You can know those words. But until you open up your heart and receive that Christ, the gift of Christ, that Christ gave himself to you and for you because he loved you. He loved you and gave himself for you. And again, this is not just talking about the initially repenting of our sins and being saved and receiving Christ. Paul said, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. You continue to receive by faith all that he has for you. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care what a wonderful person you are. You can never work up what you need. You can never work for what you need. You can't earn it and you'll never deserve it. You can only receive all that God has for you. And you do that day by day by day. Just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to walk or to live in him. Continue to receive all that he has for you by faith. Let your heart be a receiving heart. Let your heart be a a heart that is continually nourished by receiving. And if you wake up at night and wonder how to have peace, if you wake up at night or some other time during the day and, and wonder how, how to have encouragement and grace from God, how to experience God's presence, how to experience more deeply His love, or how to have, find relief from guilt or shame, the answer is that you receive what He gave. He has already poured out his love. He has already given. He has already granted it to you. It's not like he's withholding it from you. He's already given it to you and for you. It's there for you to receive. Oh, oh, how, and I, I, don't, I, I don't say this lightly, but I mean this with all my heart. Oh, how we need to learn to be receivers from God, to receive from God. Day and night, night and day. Just like the song, Let Incense Arise. We need to learn to receive from God. Night and day, day and night. And I've, I've, had, I've experienced that myself. Uh, just, and I, I, I mentioned nighttime because nighttime is a lot, of, a lot of times when I'm up during the night and spend some time with God. But, you know, whatever the state of my soul, whatever the need is, I, I've... I've, I've, I've at times, just had some incredible experiences with just just opening myself just to receive. God, I, you know, if I, I I receive your love, I receive your love for me. I receive your peace deep in my soul tonight. I receive these things from God, and that's 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 the only way we we get things from God. We can't we can't earn them. He has granted them. God is a giver, and we receive. So, if you're if you're full of fear or anxious thoughts, you receive. His care for you. And he promised it to you. You know, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He does. He gives you his care. You receive his care. You receive that, his peace. Hope I'm not getting too far off track here this morning, but, you know, I've thought of this word that's used so often in the New Testament. Let. Let. You know, let the peace of Christ reign in your hearts. And there's several different places in the Bible where it says, let. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Let these things happen to you. Because 
you, you let that which God has given you enter into your heart and captivate you. You let the things that God has for you, the resources, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you let these things come into your life moment by moment, day, day by day. And people who are not doing well spiritually are not receiving from God. And I don't say that to condemn anybody here. I'm just saying people that are not doing well spiritually are not receiving from God. And that's, that's the problem. And I point it out only because it's a problem. That is the problem. And I want it to be solved. They are looking somewhere else to receive something else from something or somebody else. Th- those people that you know that are thriving spiritually, they're doing well spiritually, it's because they're continually receiving from the Lord. They're just continually walking with Him, continually receiving from God. Our greatest danger is to not receive. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. You know, I'm, I'm kind of camping on this because I, 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 God just... I kind of, in a sense, gave me a revelation on this. It just ministered so much to me that uh, Jesus said, come to me, I will give you rest for your souls. I will just give it to you. After his resurrection, Jesus, Jesus blew his breath on the disciples. And he said, what did he say? Receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. So, in a sense, that's what, that's what life is about. It's, 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 it's Jesus breathing on you and you receiving. <laughs> Jesus is breathing on you this morning and he's saying to you, receive, receive. So the gospel is all about giving and receiving from beginning to end. And the danger is that we turn away from what God gives and seek our salvation, our standing with God or our spirituality somewhere else. Now, in verse 3, Paul tells us that Christ gave himself for our sins. So he focuses in on the purpose of Christ giving himself for us. He gave himself for our sins. He gave himself for our sins because our sins is what was wrong with us. He gave himself for our sins because that is what is wrong with you and what is wrong with me. Our greatest problem was our sins and what to do with them and how to pay for them and how to escape from them, how to get free from them, how to be released from them. And the entire gospel message deals with the reality that we have a huge problem with sin that desperately needs to be taken care of. Your real problem is not your self-image. It's not your lack of money or lack of opportunity or lack of dreams or your upbringing, or something that that has happened to you in your past, and I'm not saying that to minimize the real pain, the real pain that people have been through, and the real hurdles that some of us have to get over in our mind and emotions. But sin is what has done the real damage. Sin is what has marred our lives. God created us in His image, But we are all broken. Every one of us, we are all broken. Sin has broken all that God intended you to be. Sin sin has broken all that God intended 
me to be. God, sin has broken what God intended for, for mankind, for men and women to be. Sin mars, it ruins. Sin spoils our happiness and our relationships. It separates us from God and from other people. It's what makes it so hard for us to get along with, with others. It wages war against our souls. Our sorrows, our depressions, our miseries, our problems, and all that is not right with us stem from our sins and the sins of the world. Sin has, has created enmity or has set us at odds or in opposition with God. And it ultimately, ultimately leads, sin ultimately leads to death and eternal destruction. I mean, you know the verse, the wages of sin is death. Unforgiven sins will lead to hell and separation from God forever. So, by far, the biggest issue in your life, the biggest question for your life, The biggest question you will ever have in life is how can I be released from my sins? The biggest question for any person is how can a person be released from his or her sins? And Paul said it is through the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Martin Luther said the the heavy artillery of these words destroy the papacy, works, merits, and superstitions. For if our sins could be removed by our own efforts, what need was there for the Son of God to be given for them? And I, I love the, 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 the word picture there, the, the heavy artillery of these words. And that, that, I pray... I pray that these words, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. I pray that you would come to know that those words, that truth, is like heavy artillery. It's powerful. Feeling sorry for your sins will not remove them. Reforming yourself will not remove your sins. Turning over a new leaf, starting to live a better life will not remove your sins. Our sins are too massive of a problem to be removed by anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a conversation with uh, a cousin recently who I grew up with. And we've talked from time to time, so he knows where I stand. But we had, a, we had a conversation because he has a serious disease. He has a serious blood disease that will kill him if a stem cell transplant procedure doesn't work. And he told me that I called him just to kind of talk things over with him. And and, uh, he told me that there was about a 20% chance that it would not work and that he would die. So I asked him, I said, it's been a long time since we talked about this, Martin, but have you ever trusted in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins so that you have assurance that you would go to heaven when you die and he just very quickly brushed that all aside and said no i i I don't see any need for that i've always just tried to be a good person and i think that will be enough and 
I told Cindy when I told her the story, I says, the devil is so uncreative, he feeds everybody the same lie. <laughs> I'll just be a good enough person and that will, that will take care of it. Many people think that sin is a very small matter that can easily be taken care of by just starting to do a few good things. By just being a better person, being a nice person. Just by doing a few things to earn back God's favor. As it, again, as if sin was just some little, little thing, little minor thing that could just be taken care of by sm- some small act. But sin is a massive and horrible problem that has infiltrated not only the world but our, our very own lives. So to treat it, to treat it with a few acts of goodness or thinking that we can somehow merit, uh, do something to merit God's, a good standing with God. Uh, it's, like, it's like fighting cancer with a cough drop. It's, it's like spitting to put out a, fo- a raging forest fire. It's, it's like, it's like trying, to, trying to buy a house with three pennies. I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's just like nothing, it, it it's just can't even touch the issue or the problem. Jesus Christ came to fix our sin problem because we couldn't do it for ourselves. No other man or woman or method can remove your sins. There, there's no program, there's no philosophy or self-help book or psychologist or priest or religion that can release you from your sins. There's no spiritual experience or angels or visions or miracles that can take away sins. Nothing else in the whole world can take away sins except Jesus Christ giving himself for our sins. You know, most of us here know that, but... I agree wholeheartedly with uh, Luther when he said, in actual living, it is not so easy to persuade oneself that by grace alone, in opposition to every other means, we obtain the forgiveness of our sins and peace with God. He said, the article of justification must be sounded in our ears incessantly Because the frailty of our flesh will not allow us to take hold of it perfectly and to believe it with all of our heart. I mean, it's like the gospel is such good news that we just can't contain it. It's such good news. It's so powerful. It's so full of joy. It's so glorious that just because of the frailty of our human minds and hearts, it's just just hard for us to hold on to it. It's just hard for us to keep it it's so good. It's just hard for us to keep, keep our minds and our hearts centered on it and to believe it perfectly. So we need to continually hear these things. And it says that Christ was given for our sins. That means mine and it means yours too, our sins. Forgiveness of sins is not for special people. It's not for especially good people or righteous people. It is for sinners. Christ died for sinners. He didn't, I can't remember who said it, 
But he said, Christ didn't die for your goodness. <laughs> he didn't give himself for our goodness. He gave himself for our sins. He gave himself for your small sins, for your huge sins, for the sins that others know about, for the sins that no one else but you know about. He gave himself for your respectable sins and for your most shameful sins. He gave himself for all your sins. And he gave himself in such a way that your sins are completely and totally forgiven by what he did. By what by his giving himself for you totally takes care of your sin problem so that nothing else needs to be added to that. So you stand without your sins and faults before God, justified freely by his grace. So when you think of Jesus Christ, what do you think of? You might think of some story in the gospel, which is good. But I believe, in based on the whole revelation of God's word, that when you think of Jesus Christ, your primary focus should be on this merciful, gracious act of love that he did for you, that he gave himself for your sins. This is what he came in the world to do. To give his life as a ransom for many. And that includes you. That was his work and the overall purpose of his coming. And yet it would be, it would be a great underestimation of the work of Christ to think that, that merely for, forgiveness of your sins was the only thing that he did with your sins. It goes on to say, the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for your sins to rescue you from this present evil age. That word rescue, it's the same word that Stephen used uh, in Acts in his message before he was stoned to describe the Israelite escape from slavery. They were rescued out of slavery in Egypt. It's It's the word that is used to describe when Peter was rescued from prison by the angel. It's a word that, w- that it was used to describe Paul's rescue from a rioting mob, a rioting angry mob in Jerusalem that wanted to kill him. So Christianity, the gospel, is, it's like being released from slavery. It is like being released from prison. It is like being released from an angry mob that is threatening your life. Uh, Norman Harrison said, God sees sin as a state of bondage from which man needs to be released. God sees us as prisoners or prisoners to sin, held in prison by sin or held in the prison of sin. He sees us as captives held in captivity to the evil of this present age and Christ is the one who rescues us out of this present age. So Christ came to free us or to liberate us from present evil. He came to completely cover your sins and forgive your sins, but he also came to rescue you from sinning today and this week. And Titus 2.14 says, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. 
and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So, I mean, justification is fantastic, and we're going to glory in that in these first few chapters of Galatians. But there's more to the story. You need, you need to be rescued from sin in your daily life. And Christ does that too. He does that too. And that's part of the glory of the gospel. The, I'm going to use a big word in this next sentence. And I'll try to explain it. If, but I couldn't think of a better way to say it. But the glory of the gospel is not that we can continue to sin with impunity. Or without consequence. Okay? That, that is not the celebration of the gospel. Okay, hey, wow, we can continue to sin with impunity or without consequence. Wow, what a sigh of relief. We can just keep on sinning and God won't, won't, won't judge us. That's not the glory of the gospel. He does completely wash away our sins, remove them from us, take them from us as far as the east is from the west not counting or imputing our sins against us. Amen. Hallelujah. And it is glorious that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That is glorious. But Jesus Christ's interest in you goes goes way beyond the forgiving or cleansing of your sins. His plan, his destiny, his purpose for you is to deliver you from the present evil age and bring his very own life, his very own heavenly life into your life. Uh, John Stott said, the purpose of Christ's death was not only to bring us forgiveness, but that having been forgiven, we should live a new life, the life of the age to come. I love that. Hebrews Six, I think verse 5 talks about how we have tasted of the powers of the age to come. And Jesus delivered us out of this present evil age. We, we still live in it, but we are not of it. And so Jesus delivered us from this present evil age so that we live, as John Stott says in it, where we live the life of the age to come. We live a heavenly life, as it were, here and now on earth in the midst of evil. And yes, why I love that devotional book that so many of you are reading, uh, Days of Heaven on Earth. Because that's, that's what we're, we're called to live, not in this present evil age, but as it were, drawing upon the powers of the age to come. What is this present evil age that Christ rescues us from? Well, Sometimes this phrase is translate, translated world, but it, but it has to do with a, a present time, a time period. It's, it's all the opinions and values and messages of this age. Uh, this age as opposed to the age that is to come, the heavenly age, the reign of Christ. It is all the opinions and values and messages of this age. It is, it is indifference toward God. It is independence from God. Rebellion against God. It's the world's way of thinking. It's the world's uh, methods and answers to life. It's immorality. It's killing unwanted children. And it's drunkenness and drugs and filthy talk. It's every kind of 
horrible, evil sin you can imagine. But it is also the worship of success or the worship of possessions or loving the approval of men rather than the approval of God. It is every attitude and every, every disposition that raises itself up against God. It is self-righteousness. It is not giving thanks. It is not forgiving. It is not loving. It is bitterness, greed, hatred, selfishness, harshness, cruelty, unkindness, envy, revenge, unfaithfulness to spouses and to other people. Christ gave himself that we no longer walk in this manner of life. He gave himself to deliver us from all the evils in this present age. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and the whole world is, lies or is under control of the evil one. You know, along with the rest of the world, we were under the control of the evil one, but Jesus gave himself for our sins to, to rescue us from that. Philippians 2.14 calls this a crooked and perverse or twisted generation among whom you shine as lights. So the present evil age is everything that is perverse and wicked and morally twisted and unclean. And Christ rescued us out of that so that we would live lives of such contrast to the world around us that that Paul says in that verse in Philippians so that we would appear as lights or like like stars shining in a dark night because Christ has pulled us out of that. Christ has done everything necessary to deliver you from the present evil age. His work on the cross is sufficient to forgive you of every sin and to deliver you from evil and from living an evil, dark life in this world. You are no longer in bondage to sin or guilt or fear or evil thoughts or hopelessness or pessimism or anger or just the inborn selfishness of your own soul. You're no longer in bondage to your own appetites and impulses. Christ gave himself to for our sins to rescue us from the evil of this present age. And this is all according to the will of God. Paul wraps up according to the will of our God and Father. It's because God wanted this done and he decided to do it. It is, it is God's will that Christ gave himself for your sins. It was God's plan. It was something he decided to do. It was God's will that Christ gave himself for your sins. And it is God's will that you be rescued from your sins and from the evil of this present age. And Paul says this is all to the glory of God, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It brings glory to God that you would be rescued from your sins by Jesus Christ. This is... This is to the glory of God. You are rescued from your sins by Jesus Christ to bring glory to God. And it, and it brings glory to God that you would be uh, restored to the man or woman that God intended you, intended you to be. 
forgiven of your sins, cleansed of your sins, delivered from sins in your daily life uh, with Christ living in you, manifesting himself through you. And these are the things that we're going to be focusing on uh, the next several weeks that we're in this book of, of Galatians. Now, I'm not going to say much about this. Josh will really camp on this next week. But any answer for living life or for making you pleasing to God or for making you a better person that do not lead you to this gospel is garbage. The gospel is the solution for your life. Everything has been provided for you to live the abundant life. Everything has been done to open your jail cell. Everything has been done to pull your life out of the pit. Everything has been done to free you from lust and sinful passions and habits and anger and resentments and self-pity and jealousy and greed and to work purity and joy and righteousness and love and kindness and gratitude and peace into your heart. Christ gave himself for that, that purpose. And again, he gave himself for you on the cross. And he gave his own spirit to you for the power to live the new life that we so desperately need. Now, this morning, um, I want, if I could get down on my knees and beg you to receive this message, I would. I mean, I could, get, I could do that. And I would do it if I thought it would somehow make it more effective. I... I beg you to respond. I beg you to come and receive this message this morning. I, I beseech you to receive this indescribable gift, this incredible gift that Jesus Christ gave himself for your sins, both to forgive you, forgive your sins, and to rescue you from this present evil age. And the one thing about a gift, you can't earn it, you can't really do anything for it, but you, but you, you must receive it. You, must, you just must open up your, your life, you must, you must stop resisting it, and you must receive it. And the gospel, the good news, requires a response. And when Peter preached his first sermon, he got to the end of the sermon, and he didn't just walk away. He said, guys, repent. Repent and be baptized and, re- and put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, he, 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 he told them to do something. So I'm telling you to do something. It's not a work, not something that earns anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you, I'm urging you to receive this this morning. Don't walk out of here this morning without letting this message, not my message, I'm talking about the message of the gospel, But don't walk out of here this morning without letting this message change your life. Don't walk out of here this morning without receiving. Don't walk out of here this morning without becoming a receiver from God. Let's pray. Father, I pray. I know that there are people here who who need to receive this in a, in a way that they never have before and pray that you'd stir their hearts, open their hearts, 
just as you did with Lydia, where you opened her heart to respond to the things that Paul had spoke there. And I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would open people's hearts this morning to respond to this message, to all that you've given us in Christ, to receive it.